It's Around the John, a Phillies podcast brought to you by Logan Peter and Colin Summer. What is up, guys? Uh, it's Around the John, a uh, Phillies podcast, turning into more of an MLB podcast, turning into a more baseball podcast uh, this week. Uh, so we're getting into a little bit of a new uh, topic for us, uh, getting into a little bit of new episode versions. Uh, so it's going to be our first edition of uh, Prospect Talk. Uh, so basically what we're going to try to be doing is uh, probably once or twice a month, we're going to try to get somebody that is living it, playing the game, doing their thing uh, at some sort of level, whether it's college, uh, minors, or, you know, maybe even a couple high schoolers, we don't know. Uh, but for, for today, uh, we have a really special guest. Uh, he's from the Greenville Drive in the Boston Red Sox organization. Uh, we got Tyler Dearden here today. Tyler, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for Thank sure. You. Thank you for coming. Uh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to get right into it, yo. So, uh, coming from Lumberton, I've, you know, known a lot about you basically your entire life. Like, I was a grade below you, so – you know, I saw you doing your thing playing baseball, saw your thing playing basketball, you know, all this stuff. Uh, so you're obviously, you've always been pretty athletic. Uh, where did that really stem from? Ha, yeah, I appreciate the kind words. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just growing up, uh, playing multiple sports, uh, baseball and basketball were my main two. Played a little soccer growing up, but basically just – just playing, playing sports. I think that's a big thing for kids uh, growing up is a lot of kids will try and focus on one sport instead of, you know, I think just play them all. And I think yeah. that'll help translate to your one sport that you end up, you know, really focusing on down the road. It all helps. Yeah. Now, do you have in, within your family uh, or is your family a big sports family or did you kind of just divert yourself into the sports atmosphere? Yeah, so uh, definitely grew up in a in a sports family. Uh, my dad played uh, baseball his whole life growing up. Mom played a little basketball in high school. Um, but yeah, my dad coached at the College of New Jersey D three up up in uh, Mercer County for a while. So kind of got to go to those games growing up, being around like those higher level guys at a young age, practicing with them. So yeah, definitely definitely a sports family for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, you know, going to RV and stuff like that, uh, obviously you, you had very good stats in your, your entire career, your varsity most of the time. Uh, and you had uh, an offer from Penn State. Right. Uh, sure. Talk about talk about your, your decision making uh, going to play, uh, you know, getting drafted, obviously. Talk about, you know, that decision, stepping away from the college life and going and pursuing baseball. Right. Yeah, no, um, definitely never an easy decision. Um, definitely something that I talked over with my parents, with my family. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's tough, man. There's people always, uh, get on you saying you made the wrong decision either way you go. But at the end of the day, I think I did what's best and I, I wouldn't go back and trade it for the world. So uh, other athletes professionally, some decide as they're playing that they might try and, you know, during the off season, might when they have time, uh, might 
try and take a couple classes and still pursue their college degree? Is that something you might consider down the line relatively soon, et cetera? Right. Yeah, um, definitely. I've started trying looking into uh, the only problem I've had was uh, so like in the MLB's policy, you have to take a full semester at a time. So with the crazy schedule I got going on right now, it's been really tough. So if I do have that time, I'll definitely try to. But um, it's been a goal of mine, even from when I made the decision with my parents, was that at some point, definitely going back and, and getting that degree. So yeah. good for you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you talk about uh, the time that you have, uh, you know, talk about your daily routine. Uh, so, you know, say you you're on a game day, I'd say. Gotcha. Yeah. So kind of a crazy, crazy schedule here. People don't really understand is they think that, you know, you just show up at the field at seven and play every night, but uh, kind of starts way, way before that. So normal, normal home day, normal day at home, probably wake up a little later than people would expect, but playing long nights, those night games and stuff. So wake up around 11, 12, grab some breakfast, head to the field around 1.30, you know, so we're there early, um, head in the training room, get whatever treatment done that you need, head into the weight room, lift. We lift every day, kind of light, head to the cage, get our cage work in. Uh, then we head out to the field, uh, do some defense, then we take batting practice and come back in, have some meetings, go over the pitcher, you know, every position has different meetings. Uh, so, like, basically the hitters will go over the pitcher we're facing, how we're planning to attack, and then that leads up right into game time. So it's kind of a, a long day that yeah. some people don't really understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. for sure. so with the many game days that you have, uh, there comes a few off days. Uh, on those off days, do you find yourself still around the field or do you find yourself taking more of a relaxed approach for that day? Right. Um, you know, I want to say I'm around the field, but I, I try and uh, separate myself from the field on these off days and just really relax. You know, 100, 120 game season, it's, it's, it takes a toll on you. So I think those those days off are, are good for your mental health just to, you know, kind of get away from the field, whether you're doing well or doing bad. It's just good to get away from the field for a day, and just, you know, kind of catch up with family and friends, talk on the phone, kind of just live kind of like a normal life for a day, you know, throughout the, the season, it's tough to kind of stay in contact with a lot of people. So those off days are huge for that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you, you definitely, you know, being so young and stuff, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely different, you know, being away from it. I mean, you're used to it by now, four years old, right. but, but uh, you know, it's definitely a big toll and a big change. Uh, so, you know, talk about a little bit of the away games. Uh, I know a lot, I've, you've seen a lot of things on social media and things like that about how uh, certain minor league teams kind of get like the short end of the stick when it comes to, you know, staying at different places across the country and, you know, playing games all over, which you have to do, which is on your schedule. But, you know, talk about how you get not treated, but, you know, how is a typical away day for you? And is it, is it like, you know, sanitary? Right. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there, especially this year, trying like advocating for minor leaguers. I know pay increased this year a little bit. And I see now all over Twitter, the Internet, they're talking about like kind of the housing, trying to get better housing because 
Um, that's something that comes out of our pocket from our paycheck is housing. I know the Astros are, I think, the only organization that do pay for the housing. So they're working on that. But normal, normal way day uh, this year has been completely different with the COVID schedule. And I think it actually works out a lot better. Um, so we play six games in a row, six game series. So like basically week series and then the off day on Monday, every Monday is an off day. So like a normal minor league season in the past is maybe one off day a month playing three, four game series and then getting back on the bus, you know, getting in in the morning and playing that night. So this year has been a lot, a lot better, I think. Uh, with the the six game series and then having a day for travel or an off day wherever you're at but on the road you know I mean stay at some there's some decent hotels and then there's some bad ones so it's all part of it but nothing nothing too bad but just getting accustomed to you know you bus gets there in a random city or you know you don't have a car just trying to find food trying to find all that kind of stuff and trying to just make the best of it so you kind of briefly touched on it mental health covid uh given the circumstances especially with away games um how do you find yourself like involved with the covid situation has it affected your mental have you been able to sweep it sweep it under the rug if you mind elaborating on that yeah no i mean definitely uh in i guess it was the 2020 spring training uh when we got shut down it was we were like three or four three weeks two two or three weeks in kind of like sent home and everyone was kind of confused just before anyone really knew anything and so that time in 2020 back at home just trying to do whatever to to stay ready because uh there was the season didn't end up getting canceled till june i think you know they're still trying to play still trying to play so it's finding ways to stay ready and i think from a mental standpoint you know at first it was kind of tough because you a lot of uncertainty but I think I made the best of it, just trying to do whatever I can, lift, you know, hit, do whatever I can to stay ready. And, you know, the COVID situation, it's definitely, it's a real thing. And it's kind of a coming back into the world today. But um, as of now, we still, we got masks. We still got to wear masks in the clubhouse, stuff like that. So uh, the MILB is still, you know, still working with COVID and trying to do the best to stay on the field and keep, keep playing for these last three weeks of the season. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, so obviously the COVID situation really changed a lot, uh, especially when it comes to the fans. Uh, talk about that a little bit. How is the uh, the fans, not perspective on the game, but the interaction with the players, how is that different now than it was uh, pre-COVID? Right. So basically right now it's kind of pretty much normal. Um, in the beginning of the year, though, uh, we had like 50% capacity then it kind of went up to 60 as things started opening up now it's it's pretty much a fair game here I know at first we weren't really allowed to talk to the fans or you know sign autographs and that's kind of a big aspect of minor league baseball is kind of interacting with the fans all that kind of stuff like the on-field activities in between innings those things weren't there in the beginning of the year but now pretty much back to normal that's good. yeah that's good so kind of talking about fans and fans are there for positive reinforcement for, you know, whatever respective team that they're rooting for throughout your journey, uh, middle school, high school, now MILB, how has, whether it's family, close friends, or just fans, how has that positive reinforcement kept you going each and every day? Right. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, there's always positive fans and there's always negative fans. So, um, but it's definitely good to have fans back in the ballpark. I think that makes, makes a huge difference, especially at home. Um, but I think the family and friends, I've had a decent amount of uh, family and friends come to see me and it's always puts a smile on my face to see a familiar face in the stands. Uh, it's just, it's just awesome that to see them come and watch me uh, pursue a dream. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah that sure. is awesome. It must be a good feeling. So uh, let's talk about this dream a little bit, man. You're, uh, you're having a great year this year, bro. I mean, you're batting 259. You got 17 home runs, 66 RBIs. Like you're having a very solid year. And obviously, uh, you know, like every year and like most players, you go on hot streaks and you go on some cold streaks. Uh, you know, talk about how you are staying focused on the field. Right. Yeah, definitely. No, there's a lot of ups and downs and over the course of the year, definitely having a good year, but there's been some ups, there's been some downs. Um, I think the biggest thing is just being able to separate at bat to a bat or one day to the next day or series to series, you know, you have a bad series, you have a bad game. It's just wiping onto the next day, you know, I think, or of course of the season, I'm not exactly sure where I'm at, but I'm probably around 300 at bat. So it's Wait, really not. Yeah. 32, somewhere around there. It's crazy. But basically I think that's the biggest thing is if you can just be okay with an O for four and four at bats out of 282 in the big picture is nothing. So I think that's the big thing is if you can just stay positive and, you know, Big thing I talk with my dad about all the time is tomorrow's a new day. You never know. Oh, for four today, four for four tomorrow. Back, back in five hundred for the last two days. So, absolutely, yeah, for sure. So, like you said, like sometimes for yourself, you have ups and downs, and I'm sure plenty of your teammates go through the same things. How do you and your teammates convey with each other whether you know someone's doing well, so whether someone's doing bad? Like, how do you guys approach each other about that? Right. So I I think some of the things and like especially in the professional level is it's kind of like people think it's like every man for themselves like you're competing like at the end of the day yeah you're competing against the guy next to you but I mean we're all still you're all still humans and you guys we all still want the best for each other so you know guys you know if guys are struggling a little bit especially at the field you kind of you know let them do their own thing let them be and then off the field it's you know kind of leave it at the field and it doesn't really change how you look at someone or how you want to talk to someone, you know, as soon as the game's over, you know, guys struggle, guys, a bad day, guys, a good day, you know, come back, come back to the house and it just talk it up like normal. Yeah. Forget yeah, about sure. it. Essentially. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you're talking about how, you know, you, you leave the stuff on the field, you know, when it happens and, you know, you keep your baseball stuff on the field. Talk about uh, your, your off the field relationship with your teammates. Uh, you get along with all of them uh, pretty well. And have you ever uh, run into any issues uh, throughout your uh, MLIB career? Right. No, um, for me personally, it's been, I've had a lot of really good relationships with my, my teammates. Uh, you know, I've been in the organization five years now, so I've met a lot of people that are still here that have been released, traded. So, you know, it's still trying to keep in contact with the guys that, you know, aren't here anymore, but um there's just a lot of really good dudes here and, you know, there's all walks of life guys from the Dominican guys from Venezuela, just interacting with them and, you know, trying to make them feel comfortable here in the U S for sure. 
Now, uh, besides teammates, obviously, if you, you have coaches as well. And as I said before, through middle school, high school, and now where you're currently at, you have multiple coaches. How do you get acclimated to if you're having if you do have a new coach and they have a whole different style of coaching, something that you might not be used to, used to how do you get acclimated to that? Right. So I think in, in professional baseball, at least, you know, I've had different managers every year, different hitting coaches. But at the end of the day, you know, professional baseball is more of a it's more of about us than the team winning. You know, that's kind of more of the the MLB side is is winning games. But here in the minor leagues, more developmental. Um, some managers coach a little different. Some will try and win a little bit more, maybe bond here and there. But for the most part, it's kind of just they're just kind of there to help us. It's not so much like a college or high school team where you're you know trying to win every day it's more of trying to develop and at the end of the day you know if you're developing usually good things will happen and you know some wins will be put on the board yeah for sure, for sure. uh so talk about uh a little bit how you have like how far you've come so what things have you added to your game that maybe you didn't have in high school uh, and middle school that you think you have now that is uh, excelling uh, the way you're playing? Right. Uh, definitely. Uh, baseball is a game of adjustments for sure. And I think everyone that knows a little bit about baseball would say the same. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is meant. Uh, I think it's all mental. I know some people say like baseball is 90% mental, obviously some physical changes I've made, here and there with my swing, uh, going into more of a two strike approach, kind of like a Boba Shet, like no stride with two strikes. That's one of the big adjustments I've made, just trying to, you know, control the zone, put the ball in play with two strikes and having good at bats. But mentally, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, before pro ball, before I got drafted, you know, I didn't, there wasn't much failure and coming into pro ball, you know, there's everyone's really good. Pitchers are so much better. So, kind of being able to accept failure and handling failure has kind of been the biggest adjustment I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you just briefly mentioned uh, how when making mechanical adjustments, you uh, mentioned Bo Bichette, uh, maybe not him in particular, but there are there any other athletes uh, within the baseball realm that you, you look at and you're like, you know what, I could partially model my game after I could take notes from this guy. Is there any one of that sort? Yeah. I mean, I like to try and think that like I'm my own, my own, my own guy, you know, I don't want to try and say, I want to be like Bryce Harper. I want to be like Mike Trout. You know, those guys are, those guys are unreal. Those guys are the best in the game. So it's, it's tough. You kind of set yourself to too high of a standard if you want to try and be like those guys. So, you know, obviously there's some things I look at their swings, like, Oh, I want to do that or the way they play or they're on the bases. But at the end of the day, like, I just want to be me and be the best version of me that I can be. Yeah, that's a great answer. All right. So, you know, obviously this is a game that you get to play, right? So, and I think a lot of people forget that, that you are doing what you love and getting paid to do that. Uh, so I want to focus more on like the fun aspect of the game. Uh, what, what group, uh, I guess from, you know, the young age of like eight to 13, and then obviously like middle school, high school and pro ball. Now, when do you think you've had the best time playing the game? Right. Um, I would definitely say definitely when I was younger, I mean, you know, 
probably like little league up into like travel ball and middle school, stuff like that, where it's just kind of having fun with your friends and just, just yeah. playing. I think now I try and like reflect on those days sometimes throughout the season, just to kind of have fun. I think, you know, de- I definitely agree with you. Like sometimes you forget it's just a game and, you know, you get caught up in the numbers and trying to do well, you know, because it is a job at the end of the day and professional baseball is a, is a business, you know, it's kind of feast, feast or famine. That's, that's kind of the harsh reality of it. So, but throughout the season, you know, there's times where you're struggling and you're like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Like, oh no, I don't know. I'm not doing well, but I think it's trying to reflect on those times where, you know, when you're a kid, just playing, playing with your friends and trying to just make baseball fun and not, not worrying so much about, all the logistics of it yeah for sure yeah i remember those days me and Logan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, good days yeah so and now I, like you said when you were younger you were just playing with friends having a good time now as you got older and you realized okay this could be a serious reality of getting to the point where you're at and even going beyond that when you realized at that moment that okay this is realistic has there been anything that's been like just fueling you from the inside that's like helped you just like get that extra gear going each and every day? Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I always kind of have carried a, a, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, I feel like I kind of, I know like back home, everyone thinks like, oh, Tyler Dearden, but you know, for me, like I wasn't a super high round pick, you know, kind of later round pick. So that's something, uh, kind of a chip on my shoulder at the end of the day that I kind of keep, that kind of fuels me to keep going, just trying to prove people wrong. And, you know, even now I know there's always people saying, oh, Tyler Dearden, he's not that good. Oh, uh, I didn't think he was that good. So just, I just always played with kind of a chip on my shoulder. And, you know, at the end of the day, if I play in the, the big leagues or not, um, I just want to be able to look back and, you know, said I, I had I gave it everything I had and make the best of, of my career. Yeah. That's a great mentality. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and it's funny you say, you know, how people think of you at home because, I mean, like, it's it's the truth, bro. Like, people, people hold you yeah. to a high standard at home because, you know, you are that high standard. So right. you, you realize, you know, over time that, man, like, you know, where we live is such a small part of this world, bro. And small like, part, yeah. right. So, yeah, talk about going uh, that late. Uh, you know, round 29, you were pick 881. Uh, you know, obviously the MLB is a different type of draft than most other sports where there is a lot of rounds and a lot of uh, right. places for development. Uh, development, Yes. Uh, so, you know, talk a little bit about that chip on your shoulder and where, where did that kind of stem from for you? Was that before the draft? Um, yeah, even kind of before the draft, just felt like I was kind of always overlooked, um, kind of from like, I guess, college, college coaches and and scouts. Um, but the end of the day, um, I obviously got picked a little later than I wanted to ended up signing for a little bit over slot, which came into play for it. But, um, the end of the day, like talked it over with my parents with my agent and it was, it was something that I wanted to pursue no matter kind of no matter where I went in the draft and I always I always kind of say to myself like I'm I'm betting on myself that's kind of the mentality I have yeah for sure yeah, for sure so well I gotta think so gotta fix my chair as well this thing rolls around a lot so um 
like Logan just said, like, you know, and you said, um, you know, back home, because, you know, I'm, I'm from East Hampton, Logan's from Lumberton, yep. you know, all ran Cocos Valley back home that you're held to a high standard and that, you know, you feel like you, you were a little overlooked in the draft and stuff like that. So considering that, especially this year, you're having an, an insane season, a plus 800 OPS, multiple, plenty of RBI, 17 home runs. How have you adjusted to going from, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm underlooked to, okay, now I'm starting to make a name for myself. What was that transition like? Right. Um, that's kind of something I've always felt like was like I had, I just feel like I really never had the opportunity to kind of put it, put it to show. Um, I had a good year in the, the Penn league in short season in 2018, kind of my first taste of uh, real professional baseball and, had a, a down year in 19, kind of fighting the injury bug, kind of been on the IL a good amount in my career up to this point. So, you know, I've always I've always thought that, you know, when I get the chance in a full year, I, I'll be able to, like, put put my uh, abilities to show. And this year I'm just thankful to be to be given the opportunity to play in every day. And I'm just happy, happy to be able to be in the lineup every day and letting the results kind of take care of themselves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, you, you you talk you talked a little bit before about uh, you know if if you make the show, so that's kind of what I want to get out here. What uh what is obviously your end goal is to play in the MLB. That's everybody's end goal, you know, in your shoes. But when do you think that you might be making uh the next step? Not even to the MLB, but maybe you know double uh, A or uh, a little bit higher than where you're playing right now. Right. Uh, I mean, that's it's yeah, obviously, obviously yeah, it's not yeah, not up to you at all. But tough to play, play GM, you know, guys yeah, do it all the true. time, like trying to figure out why this guy is moving up and why I'm not moving up. So I just try and take it one day at a time and and kind of do my best. And you know, if I do move up to Double A or if not, you know, just making the best of the opportunity I have in front of me, and you know. We'll see what happens next year, but I obviously the end goal is to get to the MLB. But like I said, if it's it's a harsh reality, you know, I don't know the numbers, but not it's a small yeah. percentage of guys that actually make it there. So at the end of the day, just want to be able to look back, like I said earlier, have no regrets. And I think you know when the it's time to hang up the cleats, you know, I definitely want to stay in baseball in some shape or form throughout my life. You'll have a you'll have a coaching spot anywhere in South Jersey. So yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun on that aspect. Don't worry about that. For sure. So, just out of curiosity, and this is something I've always wondered because I've never actually gotten a straight up answer about it. Now, in high school, we all know use metal bats, correct? Right. So, what is the adjustment like to now using wooden bats? I, I'm just very curious. Right. Um, it's definitely a, uh, an adjustment. I don't think it's as big as some people think. I mean, the metal bat, there's clearly a reason why, you know, guys in the higher leagues <laughs> yeah, and MLB for sure. don't use them. Yeah. I mean, you got guys like Judge and Stan hitting balls 120, 500 feet. I, I mean, I can't imagine how far those balls are going with a metal bat. But, I mean, it's definitely an adjustment. You know, I you got to be – more consistent with finding the barrel or you're going to run out of bats quick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so 
we got probably a couple, couple more questions for you here. Um, yeah, no so talk about, you know, staying in contact uh, with the people at home, man. So obviously you've, you've grown accustomed to having a bunch of friends at home, obviously. And like, you know, I've, I've known you from always being around like the Lee Cos and Mohans, like all these people. So uh, talk about that. Like you stay in contact with them as much as you would hope or would have hoped. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple guys that I, I talk to probably weekly, but there's some other guys that I kind of wish I stayed in contact with more. Um, usually in the off season is a good time to kind of, get back with those guys and, and hang out with them, talk to them. Yeah. There's just a couple guys that will stay in contact more than others. They'll kind of reach out to me and I'll reach out to them whenever I have free time. It, it's just good to catch up with those guys during the season. You know, sometimes you get so caught up in, in, in what you're doing, you kind of forget about all that stuff, even with family. Sometimes like I realized a couple of days, I haven't talked to my mom. It's like, oh, I should probably give my mom a call. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. So uh what do, I, what do i want to say so now looking towards the future right now we obviously know what the big goal is right. what would you like to do whether it's mentally physically emotionally any kind of state of mind how do you want to get yourself to that point right uh definitely um i think there's some some definite uh some things that i need to improve on to kind of become more of that that uh five tool guy you know right now it's kind of like always been carried with the bat um but definitely want to kind of be able to improve my speed improve my defense and kind of really have no limitations on my game I think those are big things that I'm looking to improve on defensively and on the bases just being more of a complete player yeah for sure and all you can do is take it one day at a time one day at a time um so Talk about uh, just. I'm just curious myself. Have you have you played with anybody that has uh, made it to that point? And uh, talk about uh, your relationship with them, if any. Right. So yeah, there's some guys that I have played with that have made it up to the show, and then there's some some big leaders that I have that have played like some rehab stints with us. So uh, I mean, Jaron Duran would probably be one of the guys, kind of up and coming right now in the big leagues with the Red Sox I played with him in 18 and dude that guy he's really good awesome dude and I'm happy for him you know he he made his debut this year and he's doing great things um but probably one of the coolest guys that I played with was probably Dustin Pedroia he had a rehab stint with us in 2019 played I think like four or five games with us you know just being around him in the locker room just take a BP and just being around like Dustin Pedroia, like that's the guy you grew up watching, like Hall, most likely Hall of Famer, just being around him and just soaking up the knowledge and just watching him. You know, it's kind of crazy to think like you're in the same same you're, you're playing on the same field as him. But, you know, you kind of I've kind of looked up to guys like him my whole life. So that was an awesome experience. That just sounds crazy. I don't even know. I would probably just be jaw dropped. Yeah, you can't just ask him. You can't be like, hey, can I get an autograph? You know, he's kind of like, you kind of just got to <laughs> yeah. play it cool and go about your business. Yeah, for sure. So like you just said, uh, you know, when he was uh, in the environment, like when he was on your team doing that rehab stint and you were just taking in and soaking in all the information that he was giving you, all the, all the lessons and everything, 
what would you to say to someone who's younger that wants to get to the spot that you're currently at? Right. Honestly, man, I think it's just, I think obviously everyone says, oh, you got to work hard. You got to put in all this work. I, I think that's part of it. But at the end of the day, I think just, just have fun with what you're doing, whether it's in, uh, if it's in sports or if it's in school or whatever you're doing, you know, just have fun and, and do what you love. And I think at the end of the day, looking back, you'll be in a position where you want to be. Yeah, for sure. All right, Cy. I mean, that's all the questions I have. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, like I said, uh, this is, this will be the first episode of uh, Prospect Talk. Uh, glad that you could uh, make it on for us, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season, man. Thank you, guys. I yeah, appreciate no you having me. This is this is awesome. Best appreciate of luck you. with everything. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate you coming on. No problem. All right, guys. Thank you. Peace out. All right. Later. That was sick, dude. Yeah. Bro, I thought I thought we were doing our questions pretty well. Yeah. There was, there was one point where I'm like, man, I can't really bounce off yeah. of what he just said. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, like <laughs> all right. Like it, but that that I think that definitely went really well. He dude, he provided some really, really good yeah. answers. Appreciate um so that's it for prospect talk. Now, do we want to hop right into the MLB stuff? Yeah, yeah. So uh quick, quick uh MLB whip around, I'd say. Uh you know, the Braves are hot. The NL East is looking like a two-legged race. The Mets have kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh the Phillies obviously they have the easiest schedule in baseball. So I I personally cannot give up on them quite yet. They're four out in the division and four and a half out in the wild card. Uh, you know, they're right there, and there's a lot of baseball to be played against some pretty bad opponents and I know the Phillies are the type of team that will play down to the opposition, but I think we have to keep paying attention to these guys just a little bit longer, man. September is, hasn't even started yet. You know what I mean? There's a month more of baseball to be played. You never know. Yeah, definitely. We got, we got a lot of tight races coming now, whether it's uh, for specific divisions or the MVP race is getting quite tight between a few players. Uh, we got Cy Young. That's get. It, everything is coming down to the wire and it is absolutely thrilling to watch it unfold. Yes. We also have the Yankees who have been outstandingly hot as of lately. They did fall to the Oakland athletics in their final game against, I did just say the athletics, the Yankees. Um, honestly, there's, there's, there's the, ra the races of the wild cards is another thing I'd like to talk about. I think the wild card races in both, uh, the AL and the NL are looking very interesting. Uh, the wild card and the AL in particular, uh, the Yankees are two up on the Red Sox who have the second wild card spot. Uh, can I tell you if the wild card game is Yankees Red Sox, uh, that, that's going to, that's going to be, especially in New York, mm -hmm. that is going to be a very, very fun game to watch. Uh, yeah, well, you know who'd be on the bump for that game? Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, and we'll see how he can do in the playoffs. Yeah, who do you, who, you think Boston with their Chris Sale, you'd think, right? It has to be Chris Sale. I, mean, I don't see them going with anybody else. I mean, I that would just be an unbelievable game to watch, man. Yeah, that would I, be so fun to watch. I look at the rest of the Red Sox rotation, I don't think they really – their they're hitting is unbelievably good, um, but their rotation is is lacking a little bit. Uh, yeah. Eduardo Escobar has had his ups, ups and downs. We obviously have our personal opinions on Nick Pavetta, but he's had 
a better season than he's had with the Phillies. Eduardo Rodriguez, not Escobar. Eduardo Rodriguez, Eduardo Escobar his, plays for the Brewers. Or the Brewers baseman. Yeah, my bad. Um, and then we also – well, Nate Eovaldi, he's having a breakout year. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's going to be so. I mean, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale. Uh, if those are the two teams that make the wild card, uh, Oakland sure. two and a half back, uh, Seattle's four and a half back, and I don't want to count out the Blue Jays just yet at five and a half out back, but yeah, right now it's looking like Yankees, Red Sox, and I think the Rays are going to run away with that division. They are, they are like kind of low key, in my opinion, the best team in baseball. The Rays are everything you want in a baseball team. They are so- dynamic. They are dynamic, and it's crazy. I, on paper, they're not the best team in baseball. Not at all. You have teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees. Oh, yeah. but, but based on what their payroll is, and they've always been a low payroll team, they make it work because they have young players like Austin Meadows still on rookie contract. And yeah, well, all, well, what they – sorry to cut you off, but what, yeah. what, what they've done is applied the athletics, the Billy Bean style. Yeah, Billy Bean style. And it, it – and they do it year after year after year, and it's crazy to see. Um, you know, obviously, uh, at this point of the season, they were hoping that Tyler Glass now would be able to come back, but it was announced like two months ago, and we talked about it at that point, that he would undergo a Tommy John surgery. So that is a big loss uh, that they were hoping to get back. I don't think they were for certain, like, yeah, like, like that's, he's definitely coming back. I think they knew that that was inevitable at some point. But just what they work with, uh, they got Chris Archer back. We know he's been kind of on the tail end of his career as of recently. Um, so I don't know exactly what they expect, expect out of him. Um, but they, they just get it done, man. They just get it done. And it's not – they don't have crazy star power either. And- yeah, I, I, I'd argue that he is in the lead for the race. Um, I think Garrett Cole, uh, he's, he's recorded a 2.92 ERA over his last six starts, uh, and that was exactly his ERA on the season. So that's, you know, pretty interesting. But he's around a 2.9. Uh, he leads the AL in whip, uh, FIP, Ks per nine, uh, and Ks to walks. Uh, that's a lot of good stats, especially considering he missed two weeks with COVID. I think – if he was, if he didn't miss those two weeks, he would have had two more starts under his belt, which probably roughly would have equivalent to around 14 to 16 innings, I think, personally. Uh, so that would have put him in the top five per innings. So if Garrett Cole doesn't get COVID, he's the top five in everything. The only thing I will say is Lance Lynn's ER. It's this, it's kind of the same situation uh, with Wheeler and Buehler where Dewar and Lynn are very similar where they both have very similar ERAs, very, very low ERAs. And, you know, they've been solid all year. They haven't really slipped up. Like they've had, oh, they've both had one or two bad starts, but for the most part, they haven't really slipped up. Cole and Wheeler have both been rocked a couple of times, but overall they have better numbers. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, you mentioned that that Colin on the COVID IL for a bit, and I do think he gets the benefit of the doubt because Lance Lynn did take a short time on the IL, and so did Carlos Rodon. So I don't think that's something that can necessarily be held against Cole. And if it is, it has to be held against Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon as well. Uh, but most, stemming away from the pitching well, aspect, Actually, before before you before you before we stem away from the signing race, I just want to talk about one dark horse candidate. 
uh, in the AL Cy Young race. Robbie uh, Ray. No, you nailed it right on the coffin. Robbie Ray has been very good. Uh, he's coming off a fresh 14 strikeout gem against arguably one of the best hitting teams in baseball in the Chicago White Sox on Wednesday. Uh, he has one more strikeout than Garrett Cole at 192 now. Uh, and he actually has a better ERA than Cole, too. He's sitting at a 2.72. Uh, he owns the third best K to walk ratio. And which, number one, Robbie Ray's been in the league for a while. So that's unheard of for Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray usually walks a lot of batters. He is in the top three in case to walks this year. That is a major swing from the Robbie Ray that I thought I knew. Uh, he's on a one-year $8 million contract, and he's a Cy Young candidate. That's something to look out for because if I, I promise you he's going to get a lefty that is throwing as good as he is right now and as young as he is right now. He's only 29. He's going to get a good amount of money in free agency this year. And if he's coming off a Cy Young award with that, that's just going to make the payday go up. Even, even, you know, top five consideration, if he ends up somewhere in there, oh, he's still sure. going to get it. Absolutely. He's going to get, I mean, regardless of what happens in the Cy Young race, he can not come top five and he's still going to get a good payday. But 100%. But if he does, you know, if he continues to have a solid year and Toronto somehow sneaks into the playoffs and he does good things there, I'm telling you, Robbie Ray might get, Patrick Corbin level money or more. Yeah. Yeah, which for is, sure. Which is something that is relatively unheard of from a guy that just a year ago signed a one year, $8 million deal. Yeah. And a guy who's been effectively wild his entire career too. Uh, yeah. Talking about Robbie Ray definitely pains me a little bit because I had him in fantasy baseball. Unfortunately, he was dropped by my team and has been a top 10 player in our fantasy league for the entire season. And that truly hurts me. Um, <laughs> But we aren't here to talk about my woes and my issues in fantasy baseball. We are here to talk about actual baseball. And I'm going to stem away from the Cy Young race and talk about a different race. I don't think it's much of a race anymore. I think Shohei Otani, you know, you could have said this two months ago, but you still had to, you know, dip your toes in the water, get a feel for what's going on for the rest of the season. Uh, Otani's definitely the AL MVP in recent weeks. Even the past month, Vlad has substantially cooled down. Um, not to say he's having a bad season. Now he's still having a, a phenomenal season. Uh, and, and he's one of the game's brightest young players. And I'm sure there might be MVPs in years to come. But Shohei Otani, what he's doing this year is arguably the greatest season that we've ever witnessed uh, in total. You look at his pitching, he's got a great record, about 90 innings pitched. He's hovering around a three ERA. And on top of that, he's blasted 40 home runs this year, has, a, uh, I believe, a 270-plus batting average or somewhere around there. Uh, you know, it's just incredible what he's doing. Uh, realistically, we have not seen a season like this. Well, we physically, me and Logan, have not seen a season like this. But historians uh, have written it down in the books that Babe Ruth has done something as the, at this-esque. And it's crazy to think that when you're talking about Shohei Otani's season, the only person that you can reasonably compare him to is Babe Ruth, who is arguably the greatest baseball player ever. Yeah. So in that perspective, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, there's really not much you can say uh, about the AL MVP race. I think Otani's 
like you said a little earlier, he's kind of had that on locks for a while now. Uh, I think the only way that would have been pushed to the limit at all is if Vlad pushed for triple crown, and that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think Otani, the way he's pitched, and I mean, he's like he's in the top seven ish for Cy Young voting as well. Like, if you're hitting 40 home runs before September and in the top seven of Cy Young voting at the same time, if you don't win MVP, there's there's a serious issue going on. There's a serious issue, or there's a, a god tier player in the league. Yeah, or, or or Jacob Degrom is pitching like he did all year against you, which yeah, would be against you, and and, and, <laughs> and in the limited at bats he had his been like five hundred somehow. Yeah, that would be absolutely that, insane. Yes. Uh, now I was talking to somebody earlier, uh, and I just briefly touched on it. Is this the greatest season that we have ever seen? I would say from a total standpoint from everything collective pitching hitting everything combined all together i'd say yes um but i was also trying to make the point that is he having the greatest hitting season ever no is he having the greatest pitching season ever no but it's the fact that he's doing having both incredible seasons uh both pitching and hitting at the same time as the same player that's the reason why i say yes this is the greatest season that we have ever seen uh, you know, you can talk about Bob Gibson back in the 60s, 70s. He had an insane, I believe he had a, uh, an insane ERA one of those years, had an outstanding record. And then you have somebody like Ted Williams. He had a 400 season. Are those two seasons better individually? Sure. But did Ted Williams, you know, cater to a 90, pin, 90, 90 innings pitch, potentially even more in a three ERA? No, Ted Williams didn't do that. Did Bob Gibson hit 40 home runs? No, Bob Gibson did not hit, hit 40 home runs. And I do think it's a little tough for these older guys to admit that what Shohei Otani is, is doing is the greatest season they've ever seen. Um, and, you know, I'm not even saying this from a recency bias standpoint, but this is 100% the greatest season recorded at least yeah so i mean my 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 point on this is or my take on this is if you really think about it in every sport you can look at not just baseball in every single sport the athletes have gotten so much better you know what i mean like every single sport you look at the training that goes into it now like every single sport 50 years ago guys like me would show up and play and you know barely train and do all these things now you have all these different types of things that you can do to make yourself better and make your body acclimated to being a professional athlete that it just excels the game and makes every single game like 30 years ago the quality in the nba was not the quality in the nba that it is today same thing with the mlb so when people talk about how baby Babe Ruth would not have been doing this. You cut out a little bit. I need you to rewind. Okay, my point is, Babe Ruth 100 years ago, there's no way what he did 100 years ago, he would be able to do today, in my opinion, because of, well, obviously, if he was acclimated in this way. Evolution. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes, Yes. exactly. You put Otani back when Ruth was playing, Otani's doubling his stats and everything, in my opinion. So times change and, you know, technology advances, you get better as time moves on. And that's kind of how I feel on this Otani thing. So I 100% agree with you. He is having statistically the best baseball season uh, ever. So let's move to the NL MVP race, which obviously our boy Bryce Harper is 
in the thick of it. Uh, I'd say right now that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. was the favorite. Uh, I think Tatis, even though he has missed time with injuries, uh, he has still been just an absolute machine at the plate. So uh, let me let me cut you off real quick. And, and this is uh, I was doing a little bit of research last night. Um, offensively speaking, Bryce Harper statistically, even though he is not above him in home runs, even though I don't think that he's above him in RBI, statistically speaking, collectively, Bryce Harper is having the best offensive season, not of anyone in the NL, but in the entire league collectively. Now, will will statisticians and and you know whoever gives the award out are they going to take that into consideration? They might, but they also my my whole thing with Harper and why I think that that he he is the reason why he should be MVP. You know, you have guys who are on the Dodgers like Max Muncie and Trey Turner. They've they, they've kind of put their name into it, and you've Tatis as well. And although the Padres are in a very similar situation as the Phillies, you take Tatis out of that lineup, what do they still have? They still have a lot of qualified hitters. They still have great pitching. They can still win games. This team, when Harper is not there, has no one offensively. Now, that's an exaggeration because you have people like Gene Segura. You have people like JT. But you don't have anyone that's going to outright win you a game. Now, could you say the same about Tati? Sure. But I just look at and, – and you take Turner and Muncie away from the Dodgers. What do they still have? They still have an all-star team. What Bryce Harper has done for the Phillies is substantially, substantially, substantially more <laughs> valuable to, to the Phillies than, than any other player is to their respective team. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah. Uh, another thing I like to think about when I think of MVP is uh, every aspect of the game. Uh, Fernando Tatis has the most errors at shortstop this year behind, well, now Bo Bichette does, but, and he doesn't even play the position anymore now. He actually plays in the outfield now because of the amount of errors that he was making. Bryce Harper is a gold glove right fielder, and he has, he has transformed himself into that person. He was not that when he first came into the league uh, with the Nationals. Over time, he has gotten significantly better at the position in the field, so I think obviously he's always had the bat and kind of like how we were talking to Tyler earlier. And he said, a lot of people think the bat carries him. That's how Bryce was when he was coming up, the bat carried him. So now that he has turned himself into a gold glove caliber outfielder on top of being as good as he is at the plate, he is the complete player. And I a hundred percent agree with you. If you take Bryce Harper out of the Phillies lineup, there is a gaping hole. And I mean, gaping like Michael Strahan's, Gap, gaping, like you—you you need this guy in your and and another guy, Reese Hoskins. He's another guy. You take that guy out of their lineup, there is a gaping hole that somebody needs to fill. Not as big as Bryce, but he is their power numbers. All most of the power numbers that come from this team come from Reese Hoskins, and it comes from Bryce Harper. So obviously, Reese strikes out more, and he has a way less average, but he is just as important to this team as guys like Gene, guys like JT, they're on that second tier of importance. Bryce Harper and, I'd say, this year, Zach Wheeler, they're the two guys of the utmost importance for this team. They need those two to carry the load if they want to get back into the postseason this year. Yeah, so 
kind of now we're going to move away from all these awards and, and I think we'll wrap this episode up with a little bit of Phillies talk. Um, we are in wild times, the Phillies tail spawn, then they take three out of four games, three out of four from the Diamondbacks, I believe. And it's just been a whole lot of ups and ups and downs. And it's so reminiscent of, you know, these past, not this season, but the two seasons prior, uh, you know, we get on this hot streak, we have a lot of hope. And then next, thing you know, it goes all downhill. Edgar comes. Dude, that's what that's, that's really how it's been the past couple of years for these guys. I mean, they're in the, they're in the race throughout the summer, the past couple of years, and they fade out, they lose steam late. And, you know, I've thought about this a couple of times now. I think it has a lot to do with how silent they are at the trade deadline. Uh, you look at a team like the Yankees, you look at a team like the Dodgers, all these teams that made major moves to help better their team. They got that much better. Like you look at the Yankees before they made those trades, they were hovering around 500. They go on this massive 13 game winning streak because you have guys like Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo who are significantly helping your team. There were guys like that out there for the Phillies. They had a chance to go out and try to get a guy like Byron Buxton. They had a chance to go out and get a guy like Kyle Schwarber. They had a chance to go out and get a lot of guys that could have helped this team. And although I like Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy, they settled. They settled for those two and Freddie Galvis. And that's kind of what they do every year. They like You look at the past couple of years, certain signings at the trade deadline, you have guys like Astrubal Cabrera, uh, a lot of – Middle, Jason Vargas. A lot. <laughs> yes, exactly. A lot of middle tier guys that like those guys could be playing every day for the pirates. Like you need to go and get better at the deadline and they never, ever decide to go and bolster their lineup. And granted, yes, they don't have the most attractive prospects to choose from for other teams, but you can find a way to get it done, man. You can find a way to get certain things done. And I think a lot of the time this team tries to build around free agency. And, and when, fans free, out. when free agents look here, they go, like, this is why I was shocked Bryce Harper signed here. You can look here and go, yeah, I can sign there for all this money, but I'm going to be the only good player there. Like, that's how people look at Philadelphia, especially the Phillies, because they always are ones offering money. But guess who also offers money and has very successful franchises every single year? The Dodgers. Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox. All these teams have the same amount of money you do, John Middleton. But guess what? They're appealing because they have stars all over the place. How do the Phillies not have stars all over the place with the cap that they have? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, couldn't tell you. Um, now, like you said, the Phillies do have the easiest schedule going forward. Um, and like you also said, they have the tendency to play down to their opponents. They need to go on a wild tear. Uh, yes, it sucks that Hoskins is out for the year that we have not been able to let people know that Hoskins is out for the year. And that pains me so much because he was having a very, very underappreciated season. He has been so phenomenal for this ball club with the amount of runs that he was producing with the amount of home runs that he was hitting. And, and it's a shame you have JT who just went down with an injury. Uh, we're hoping it's nothing serious, nothing that would put him on an IL stint. Cause we definitely need him for the stretch run. Um, but he's currently, he rolled his ankle, I believe in the last game, game that they played. And it's just, uh, it's just terrible. We're, we're getting thin. We're getting thin everywhere. Zach Eflin 
was set to come back. And then he, right before his start, felt something in his knee. And then next thing you know, he gets COVID. And it's just been so, so wild. But looking at the few bright spots that, that have been going on recently, you have Aaron Nola, who's start, starting to look like he's coming back to form a little bit. He's been pitching very well lately. Kyle Gibson, um, he's pitched to around a three ERA since he came to the Phillies. Uh, and he's been fantastic. He brings a good amount of energy. On his last outing, he pitched six shutout innings, three hits, three Ks, no walks. Uh, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, but it, while these guys are pitching well, like while Nola has been pitching well, you know, those are games that you need to win. You have to win those games because um, it seems like he hasn't been able to consistently provide uh, great, you know, great performances. When he does, they have to capitalize, and, and it just hasn't happened throughout the season. Um, man, it just sucks. The, the injuries, we're on thin ice, and it's going to be very, very tough for the Phillies to come back and potentially win this division, but they, they truly have to face adversity. Yeah. And one, one thing that I think gets overlooked when we talk about the Phillies, especially uh, is the starting pitchers and uh, Nola and Wheeler in particular, uh, the Phillies are 0 and 6 uh, in the last three games that both of them have started. Uh, and they're six and no, the last uh, six games that Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson have started. So, you know, looking at those stats, realistically, the back end of this uh, staff has really kept them in this, per se. They've kept them in the race. So if Noah and Wheeler can find their stride and the Phils can somehow figure out ways to win those starts, Ranger Suarez is pitching outstanding. Yes, he is. I mean – one thing that Joe that was a very good decision by Joe Girardi was to take him out of the bullpen and put him in the rotation. I could not bear to see another Chase Anderson, Matt Moore. I mean, just brutal, brutal starts. And it, I mean, with the news of Eflin being out for the rest of this year, it's really a blessing in the skies that Ranger Suarez has picked up where Eflin kind of left off in the beginning of this year because if these guys do somehow squeak into the playoffs, you need four starters. And thankfully they have four guys that you can look at and say, you could, you could give me six innings of two run baseball. Like realistically, they all should be able to do that against any team in this league, which is something, which is something that not not a lot of teams can say they have, which is also, I do give credit to Dombrowski for going out and getting a guy like Kyle Gibson, who was an all-star this year and has a sub three ERA for how little that they gave up. And Spencer Howard, yes, he's a good player. I do think that he will have some success in the league eventually, but they also got a very young, exciting prospect in that trade. Hans Kraus. Yes. And he was the number nine prospect in the Rangers organization. So he will add, a pretty interesting aspect to the Phillies, especially if they want to try to make a move for somebody maybe next deadline, because that's something that Pete, that could be a conversation starter in trade talks. Yeah. So what blows my mind is right. So the, the Rangers are sellers. Okay. And the Phillies are supposed to be a good team. They bought Hans Kraus was their number nine prospect. He is currently after the new updated prospect rankings, he's our fourth best prospect. 
that that speaks a thousand words yeah, to how, how bad our system is. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's painful. And it's not, and that has nothing to do with the ability of Mr. Krause. Uh, he could very well be a great player, but you look at a team like the Texas Rangers, who I'd say they probably have what a top 10 farm system you would think, right? Yeah. I mean, they're a bad team and they've had a lot of high draft picks and high draft capital recently. So you'd expect yeah. that they're one of those teams that, you know, have a relatively good farm system. So, if their ninth prospect is slotting into your fourth spot, uh, that's pretty much saying, yeah, we have eight guys here that are still just about as good as your top three. Basically. And it sucks, but that's just, that's the realistic aspect of, you know, this whole entire organization. And it can be unbearable at some points in time, but you know, all we can do is look forward to each and every day and hope this team continues to win. And I think the reason why they go and get somebody like Kyle Gibson, I think that right now they don't have the most massive window. They have a window, but not a crazy large window like some other teams do. I would say their window uh, hinges on uh, JT Romuto. He's got four years left on his contract. I think that's the window that the Phillies are giving themselves right now. I think they could try to make a core in the next four years. I think they like not maybe not maybe like where they're at, but they're obviously making positive strides to get better. It just hasn't come together yet. Yes. And I really, really do think eventually it will, uh, especially in the Bryce Harper era. I think eventually these guys are going to start finding their stride and they will they will be that team that makes the playoffs like four out of six years, something like that. Eventually. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I'm hoping that it's going to be next year and hopefully that they get better in the off season, but I don't want to look too forward to the off season quite yet, because like I said, I do think with the schedule that the Phillies have, they have a realistic chance to sneak into the playoffs. What they need to do is, handle the business man win series we're not asking for sweeps you just need to win series they start a series tonight in dc you need to win that series against a bad washington nationals team they play the marlins in miami i'm gonna try to go to those games uh another series that you need to win two out of three the Braves just won this won a series at home against the Giants. The Giants are the best team in the NL. They're not going to stop winning games. You need to be able to win these games against bad opponents if you want any chance at all with this division. Yep. Uh, that's that's all that needs to be said. I would say it's possible. Are my hopes completely uh, gone? No, but are they? Are they still evidently there? Also, no, uh, or yes. But all you can see is it unfold. We gotta hope that Atlantic loses some of their games. This team needs to win. You know, these quote unquote easy games. No games yeah. ever truly easy, but on paper, yes, they should win. And the wild card is also attainable. Uh, I think St. Louis will fade eventually. They're a half game ahead of the Phillies right now, but their schedule doesn't really 
uh, fare nicely for them in the month of September. Uh, so I don't know if they'll stick around. I think the two teams that you have to keep an eye on are San Diego and Cincinnati. San Diego's schedule with the division is brutal. So the Reds have a very easy schedule. So the Reds are a team you have to look out on, but they're not, they're also a team like the Phillies where they don't make the playoffs very often and they haven't in the past decade. So you never know. They could slip up and fold to the pressure. Yep. We just got to see what happens. Yep. Uh, I think that's it for this episode. Quick Philly of the week. Yeah. Quick Philly of the week uh, with this watered down roster because of some injuries. Yeah. I'll go first. All right. Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Brad Miller. I think uh, Brad Miller came out to the media and basically said that with Hoskins going down, he needs to be better. And he hit a massive home run in the 10th inning of that Diamondbacks game to tie the game at 6-6 after they – I really, really did think that that game was dead and gone. And if they would have lost that game, the season is basically over. That is a depleting – you go into a game up 4-2 – uh, you give up – Ian Kennedy obviously gives up the two-run home run in the ninth, and then you go down uh, 6-4 in the tenth. You know, Hope's basically lost then. Brad Miller hit a huge home run to tie that game, and they Gene Segura eventually won it. You win two more after that. They're on a three-game winning streak going into D.C. You never know. I think Brad Miller knows that he needs to step up in Hoskins' absence, and I think he will do it this week. I like the pick. I hope he gets it done as well. So mine's actually going to be split between two players. So JT is currently day-to-day with his ankle injury, and thus we are going to have to rely on the catching tandem of Rafi Marchand and Andrew Knapp. Now, have they – well, Andrew Knapp especially, they have not showed a ton of promise hitting-wise. Uh, defensively, uh, they have done well with our pitchers um, over the court. Well, especially Knapp, he's done very well with our pitchers, and I do want to see a little bit more of Marshawn. But I think that, you know, while the pressure may be on them to fill the void of JT, which is a very, very big void, uh, I do think that they step up this week. I, I think they have a, a, few, a few clutch hits that will end up being deemed uh, essential for some wins. Um, so I'm really hoping that those two can have a very solid week. And while they might not have the best week of anyone on the Phillies, I do think what they ho- – I'm hoping that what they contribute is definitely good in the long run. Yeah, uh, so that is – Today's episode, uh, I know it ran a little long, but obviously with the first edition of Prospect Talk, uh, we wanted to get in a little bit of baseball talk as well after the interview. Uh, again, big thanks to Ty Dearden for uh, for doing the interview with us. And hopefully we, uh, for the next Prospect Talk, I'm thinking about, I'll drop a little hint right now. Uh, he's actually playing in the Wisconsin league right now, uh, currently in college, uh, get a little more information for you guys as we go. But for now, uh, again, big thanks to Ty Dearden and, uh, yeah, you guys can always catch us around the John. <laughs>